This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Well, hello, my babies. Hello, my darlings. Hello, my ragtime dolls. Welcome to Cabaret Old Chum. Wait, why am I? That wasn't even A, that wasn't even the right lyrics. B, why was I putting those songs together? I'm so sorry. Welcome to the wine situation, my darlings. It's not a cabaret, but it is a situation with wine, hosted by me, Elle Clifford. Uh, and the situation is, you know, more and more stuff is opening up, more and more people are going out, but you know what? Um, we're still not going out as much as we used to. And now that everyone's working from home, uh, day drinking alone, I'm sure is a thing. And maybe you want to listen to a podcast while you work. I don't know. Anyway, I'm here to be your drinking buddy. Yay. What a start we got. We had show tunes. Um, we had ragtime dolls. You know, yeah, someone should do a mashup of those two songs and it should not be me. Uh, okay, I'm letting it go. Letting it go. So the wine situation, we are a show all about segments and tangents. Tangents and segments. We started with a tangent. That's how much I love tangents. Who am I, though? You probably know me by now, but just in case this is your first time here and you're like, what the hell did I get myself into? A, congratulations for making it this far, not stopping me. B, welcome. Uh, I'm Elle Clifford. Some people call me Ellen. Some call me Elle. It's been kind of a new thing in my life, and I like it. The L part. <laughs> I cannot imagine why anyone born with the name L would suddenly decide to add an N, unless it was like they tried to get into SAG after <laughs> somebody had the same name, possibly. Uh, yeah, um, so I'm real close to getting my diploma from the Wine Spirit Educational. Uh, why did I'm suddenly like, what's the last word? Trust. As you can tell, I'm studying a lot because I couldn't even remember the name of the uh, organization. <laughs> I also write for Delectable. I'm also a certified sommelier with the quartermaster sommeliers. Those are my creds. Cool. Can we move on? Let's. Uh, how are you guys doing? I, I try and do this little check-in bit to tell you uh, what's going on with me and also to tell you, please, A, I hope you're cracking up something good to drink. B, message me on the Instagrams. I'm on there as Ellen Clifford or the wine situation, tell me what you're drinking. I want to see, I want to know, I, and I want to know how you are. I really do. People don't write me too much to tell me that, but when they do, I'm like, yes, please tell, I, like, I want to know how you feel listening to this podcast. Hopefully enlightened and lightened in your soul, perhaps. I don't know. Me personally, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, actually. I got it like an extra little writing gig, which I would, oh, it's a winery that wants me to write tasting notes, and I'm like, ooh, I don't know if they want me to not for it to not for people to not know it's not them. I don't know, so I'm not going to tell you who it is. All I know is it's a wine I love, and when they reached out and were like, Ellen, could you write for us? I was like, are you kidding? Anything for you. They're good people. They're good wine. Uh, you know, I got the play coming up this weekend. Well, by the time you hear this, it'll be over. I went on a very thorough walk with my friend Alice this evening before this. We we covered a lot of territory. We covered relationships, uh, living with significant others. I guess that's sort of the same thing. Uh, politics, what we were eating, uh, what's... Yeah, we. I, that doesn't sound that thorough, but there were a lot of topics thoroughly covered. It was a good walk. Um, I, maybe I'm just giddy because... 
I went outside and, you know, it was comfortable. So it's really funny to me that last week I was talking about the episode of Sugar Rush that was called the Blackout episode, because starting Saturday, so many blackouts in LA, just power out for uh, my, uh, my, my person, my, <laughs> my pandemic person lost their power, so I had them over here for a few days, because thank god I still had it. Anyway, it was funny that I was like, the blackout episode, and then Los Angeles was like, blackout! <sighs> Do I have anything else to tell you right now? No, I don't think so. Should we have an agenda? We shall. The agenda is, uh, you, we're just, we're gonna fly through this episode, easy peasy guys. And we have a who, what, when, where, why, wine game, where I throw the clues out throughout the episode because they give me structure. As I've said, they are the bones upon which the vegan, you know, let's go ahead and give tofu a shot. Give tofu a chance to prove itself to me that I don't really not particularly care for tofu. This, let's let the tofu hang upon the vegetarian bones of this podcast. Um, so we're going to have that game. We are going to have a wine. I'll be telling you about a wine, not only made the winemaker is a woman, but the, there are several siblings involved and it's pretty cool because it was like the first black winery in Napa. So I have been excited to taste this for a while and I've had this bottle sitting here just waiting for the right week. Um, we are going to have another on the food side. I know we're having a lot of those guys, but I keep having like either this podcast, my personality, or wine-adjacent things happening with food, so I'm gonna go with it. Okay, and lastly, we will have a drunk dial, which I'm very excited about because it is, uh, I think I told you about a wine uh, last week I had that was from Les Narvaux Vineyard, and, uh, you know, I look it up and all I could get was nor narwhal, which is like this whale thing with a very big tusk, and we got a follow-up on, on that, with the drunk dial. So look forward to me talking to Nathaniel Munoz at the end of this. Uh, in the meantime, let us get to our first clue on who, what, when, where, why, wine. You're who, and please guys, don't jump, don't jump the gun here. Th th take your time, think. Don't guess too early, not until it's like your final guess, your final answer. You're who, is Baroness Philippine de Rothschild. I'm probably saying that all wrong. I don't know. It's okay. Your who is Baroness Philippine de Rothschild. Let's get into the wine. So today we have something from Brown Estate, which as I told you is the first black owned uh, winery in Napa. I will be trying the 2019 Rosé of Pinot Noir, California, that's called uh, Beetlejuice. And I didn't know until I got the bottle, the site, it's spelled B-E-T-E-L-G-E-U-S-E. -E -E. uh, and it explains on the bottle, a red, uh, Beetlejuice is a red supergiant star that sits on the right shoulder of the constellation o o Orion. Betelgeuse is one of the two extant first magnitude supergiants. It is Orion's second brightest star, the ninth brightest star in the sky, and one of the largest stars visible to the human eye. Uh, <laughs> that's definition one. Definition two says stellar wines from California. So 
that's that's funny. I like that. And on the back it says the sky is the limit. So let me give you like the history of this this cool winery. Oh my god. I, I really I didn't read that definition until just now and I was like, oh cool, it's gonna be about stars and then it, I just noticed at the end. Stellar wines from California. Um okay, and I'll I'm just gonna read you uh so in nineteen eighty their parents purchased an abandoned ranch in the eastern hills of Napa Valley. Yada yada, they rehabbed it, they planted viniferous grapes, which they sold to local winemakers until in 1995, quote, we kids decided to make our own wine. Yeah, they did. So, uh, okay, I'm just going to read you. We established the Brown Estate label officially in 1996 when we harvested what would become our first bottling of Brown Zen. (laughs) I wonder if that was supposed to be funny because like white Zen, Brown Zen. in January 2000, we debuted our first three vintages of the official ZAP, that's the Zinfandel Advocates and Producers, Grand Tasting in San Francisco. Fast forward to September 2016, when we bottled our 20th vintage. In the meantime, our business has grown slowly but surely, as our brand has gained increasingly broad exposure to an extraordinarily diverse audience, thanks to the word of mouth and on social media. Um, so that's that's the nuts and bolts of how they came to be. I was looking, okay, so they didn't give in-depth bios, but the president is Deneen Brown, the wine grower is David Brown, and the director of winemaker House of Brown is Coral Brown. So what a woman. And their general manager is Stephanie Kelly. So they've got, they got a lot of women on board. They are family. I am really excited to taste their wine. Uh, in addition, I thought it was interesting. They had a bit of information on, well, here, let me read it. The scarab beetle we have adopted as part of our visual branding is an ancient Egyptian agricultural totem, a symbol of good luck and long life that in various iterations has graced our wine labels through the years. We find it an apt metaphor for the brown estate. Its overall form is a relatively streamlined picture of calm whose intricate time-worn carvings tell tales whose intricate... Oh, wait. Tell tales. I have problems reading. Um, that require a deeper level of engagement to tease out. Ooh, I can't wait to see what I tease out of this wine. The business of operating an estate winery, making our wine from grapes we grow on our own land, relies heavily upon the forces beyond our control like Beetlejuice. <laughs> Mother Nature is a... Br- I added the but br- like Beetlejuice. Um, Mother Nature is a brilliant but fickle business partner and our increasingly burdened planet a delicate resource from which we derive our livelihood. As we move through the Brown State's third decade, these immutable realities continue to demand and inspire our passion, humility, and gratitude. Thank you for looking in on this and please stay in touch. I will, Brown Estate. I will. I can't wait to try this wine, but before I do... Let's just have the bare facts about it. Then I will taste it. I'll cheers it with you. Then I'll give you another clue. Then I'll actually I'll play the game that's not a game. What's in a glass? And, and then I'll see what their tasting notes. So this is a Pinot Noir Rosé from California. Uh, fermentation of stainless steel. Stainless steel. Oops, I can't blind the alcohol level because I'm seeing right here it's 13%. 500 cases in the 12 by 750 milliliter format says, Beetlejuice is an icebreaker, a spirit lifter, an elegant addition to your dining table, picnic basket, or poolside party. It is especially brilliant during the summer months, but shines brightly all year round, uh, brightly year round, especially in early autumn, when it's really hot and you're recording a podcast. 
I edited that. This is a perfect starter wine in both senses of the term, whether for newcomers to, newcomers, newcomers to the world of wine or seasoned enthusiasts looking for a well-made yet affordable wine. Okay, cool. This is a gorgeous wine. I can't wait to taste it. Cheers. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, that's so interesting. That is, I mean, I didn't, I never know exactly what to expect, but that is so interesting. I need another sip to calm myself before I give you another clue. God, you guys, why do I keep finding such cool wines? It's because I follow my bliss. Hmm. Okay, so back to the game to refresh your memory buds. <laughs> Can you have memory buds? They're memory cells, memory I, neurons. Okay, uh, the who was Baroness Philippine de Rothschild. Your what is a Cabernet Sauvignon-based blend? Don't jump to conclusions, guys. All right, let's play the game that's totally not a game, uh, which is what's in the glass, where I walk you through, you know, how we wine nerds taste our wine. I will cheers you again for good luck. I will kiss my wine glass. I will not kiss the bottle because I just paused it and put it in the fridge so it would not get warm because it's still really warm here. It is 83 degrees in my home because um, I turn everything off while I record because I'm polite to the sound. <laughs> um, I will listen to the wine. It says, Ellen, get the fuck on with it. I'm like, I like your attitude. So now we look at it. It is a rather deep pink. It's like got maybe some hints of um of salmon to it, but it's just a it's a fairly deep pink, but bright. Like it's not muddy. I don't know how to explain this. It's like going more towards a cherry red than a brick red, if that makes sense. Were this wine to become were this wine to become a red. Um let's smell it. I'm give medium plus intensity. I mean, it may be just because I'm drinking. Okay, so this last week, I think it was Grazel I was drinking of. Out of this week, I am drinking out of my Zweisel Burgundy glass. It's a, got a big, lovely bowl. Not traditional for rosé, but I just was feeling it. And I feel like it's extra good for tasting. So medium plus notes of, I mean, all sorts of berry and like, like a hint of vanilla and like tropical, like, hmm. A tangerine. Um, I want to say raspberry, underripe raspberry and ripe tangerine and a little hmm, iris. Is that an iris flower? <laughs> okay, I'm going through the, um, I'm like spices, herbs, other. There's something just hinting at like maybe vanilla. I don't know. Not in an oak way, but like in a floral way. And something hinting at chervil. I'm so sure it's chervil, guys. They made this one with chervil. No, there's something a little herbal about it that I can't put my fingers, my nose, my mind on. But I, it makes me say chervil, which I have not tasted in quite some time. But okay, let's give this a taste. Ooh. It is dry. It's so, like, the fruit is so ripe and vibrant that for a second you're like, is this, and is this, is there a hint of RS in it? I don't think so, though. No, it's just, um, it's a vibrant wine. Um, it's dry. There is medium plus acid. 
The body is also for a rosé, I would put it at medium plus. Like, it's it's a full mouth, it's a mouth-filling rosé, just the way I like them. The alcohol level, as I said, was, well, I know it's medium, but, you know, I'm feeling the medium bird on that. Sometimes it's okay to know what the alcohol level is before you taste it. Oh. Flavor intensity, as I just said. It's high. Um, gosh, you're still getting, like... Maybe I need to taste more tropical fruits. I'm getting some sort of like tropical fruit vibe on it, but maybe it's just like the super ripeness and the citrus going with with the red fruits and the raspberries and the cherries and maybe even some uh, pomegranate. Maybe there's it's like because it's got like a kick, an acid like it's got a kick to it despite all its ripeness. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, yeah, and just the flowers, I mean, I often come, it's like rose water and orange blossom water and mystery flower and vanilla flower. Um, it's super cool. The more sips I take of this, the more I dig it. Yeah, and I want to say there's like, uh, oh, what's that? What's that thing? It hints at a certain type of spice that it doesn't taste bitter, but it's got the same kick as it. And that makes me think of like radishes. I don't know why. It does not taste like radishes, guys. But maybe it's the acid. Maybe it's something kind of a little peppery. It's got, it's got a little punch to it. Um, this is so cool. Thank you for making good wine, brown wine at Brown Estates. Uh, let's check out, let's think about the beginning, uh, the mid, and the back palette. Because I try and make myself do that even though... I guess I don't think it's bull, but sometimes I do. I don't know, guys. Um... In the mid palette, I'm always like, where exactly is that? I think it's like the back roof of my mouth, but okay. Up front on the tongue, getting all the fruit and a little like minty. Um, let's see what happens when it. Okay, I guess I do in the mid palette feel, start to feel like the acid part and more of the citrus elements coming in um it's got a little like that's that's where the aggressive it's like reaches in to shake your hand and gives you a little flip with its finger in your mid palate what does it do when it gets to your back palate what does one do when one gets to a back palate hmm. Hmm. it kind of revisits the end but with that nice kick in the middle which makes it a very symmetrical wine. And, you know, I purposely pursue asymmetry sometimes, but, well, I don't know that I would say this is totally symmetrical because I get, I think, more of the flower up front and then I get the kick with fruit and then I get more of the fruit, but, like, it's just different. Yeah, it's not quite symmetrical and in a good way because, you know, wine should be interesting. Oh. Uh, now let's think about the finish. Hmm. Ooh. Okay. It comes back for a repeat performance with the kick, which makes it not necessarily a symmetrical, like it's like gentle floral fruit kick, fruity floral kick, and then it kind of like slowly backs off doing jazz hands. <laughs> um, if this 
wine or a piece of clothing or a color. Sorry guys, I really do have a little bit of like synesthesia uh, when it comes to wine. Like even when I write my wine notes, I try and do them often in a lot of different colors because then I can, in my mind, I just associate the facts with a color and somehow that helps me remember more of it. I don't know guys. I don't know. Anyway, oh, where this wine, a piece of clothing. I picture sort of, it's like the peasant blouse style. It's in not quite a pumpkin or like it, it's a pattern. There's definitely like a big pattern on it with little bits of filigree here and there of green, but it's like a orange and um, like the color this wine is and it's silk. Um, it's silk and it's like peasant style, but there's something like, I don't know, there's something giving it like an edge so that it fits in to 2020. Like, oh yeah, there's something up with the collar. Like it's not just totally like the loosey goosey, like I think I'm describing right when it, or maybe it's more Elizabethan, it's those things that have like sort of the big, the, the sleeves that have the elastic around the, that have a big like, poofy arm to it, then elastic around the wrist, then flare out again. Um, maybe there's something slightly gothy about it. Or maybe it's just that blouse in like goth form, but like with hidden pink flowers, because pink is the highest form of goth. I don't know. I think it's more the first one. It's things that they're very vibrant. They, mm, I'm trying to think of what artist uses these, uses these uh, colors. <laughs> My brother's girlfriend, she uses these colors I'm picturing. Guys, look up Kat Leapin's art um, on Instagram and look at her pictures. You'll see the colors I'm picturing. They're saturated. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. It's a peasant blouse with saturated colors and maybe rather than the ruffles on the collar being ruffly, they're like a little more starch. So they have a little attitude to them. Not too much, but just enough that makes you go, huh, cool, I'm in. Uh, so that's the piece of clothing this wine is. Should I make that a new segment? Probably not, but eh. So I am going to give you another clue and then I will read their tasting notes. I sort of like did a little few, le a few less segments uh, in this episode than usual. Uh, so I'm running out of things to insert between clues. Anyway, uh, your who was Baroness Filipina de Philip Why do I add the... Okay, Baroness Philippine de Rothschild. Your what is a Cabernet Sauvignon-based blend. Your when is 1998, when it was first released. So I think the first release was a 1997 vintage. Uh, yeah, so... There you go. Let's see what uh, Brown Estate said about this wine and see if it all, I'm sure they're gonna be like, so much chervil and pomegranate. Hold on. Oh, they nailed the color uh, rose gold. I thought that rose, okay, it says, I, sparkling iridescent rose gold from Cor de Rim. It's rose gold, you guys, they're so right. It's not the deep, it's rose gold. It's 100% rose gold. gold. Um, nose, delicate aromatics of ripe summer stone fruit. Like cherries. I added the like cherries. Wild strawberry, cherry, guava. Oh, those are tropical fruit. Kiwi and watermelon. Watermelon. Yeah, I can see that. Secondary notes of lemongrass. Oh, so close to chervil. <laughs> um, I need to smell it. A rose petal, potpourri. Yeah, and heavy cream. Uh-huh. 
palette. Light, easygoing, fresh, and juicy. I feel like this is a heavier rosé. It's still easygoing. I mean, it's fun as fuck. Um, it's also juicy. Yeah, okay, silky smooth texture. That's right. Long finish. That's right. Pairing inspiration. Ooh, before I read that, what would I pair this with, guys? I mean, I just want brie and melon. I'm, I'm, now I'm just thinking of watermelon. On a cheese plate with roasted almonds, maybe? Like, or, um, uh, oh, what are those? What are those almonds called? They're, they're different. They're the fancy ones. Oh, what are they called, guys? I can't remember. Um, and uh, something with honey. Like, this would be really good with fruit salad. And this would really be fine with a lot of things. Uh, I wouldn't put it with heavy meats or a stew. Well, I might put it with a stew. I would put it... <gasps> Ooh, I'd put it with a watermelon gazpacho with mint in it. I've made that before. It's a yummy treat. You should do it. Okay, what do they pair it with? Prosciutto wrapped melon balls. There's the melon. Lobster rolls. Guys, I have no, I've never eaten lobster in my life, and I probably never will unless for some reason I abandon vegetarianism. Um, I also don't know what prosciutto tastes like, I don't think. Seafood salad on toast. I, I also never had that. Huh. Okay, well, different, but as a vegetarian, I always have different pairings. Anyway, um, I feel like their notes were probably better than mine, and now I'm like, shit, I need to go taste guava. I need to retaste kiwi. So many tasks, so little time. We should probably get on with it. But guys, I'm just, you know, three times the charm. I'm cheersing you again. Because mm. this wine's delicious and... I, I get white pepper on it. I'm sorry. I get white pepper. Maybe that's the thing that I was thinking radish. Maybe that was making me say chervil. Maybe that's what makes them say lemongrass. It occurred to me. At least we all got rose in there somewhere. At least we all got <laughs> strawberry and cherry in there somewhere. Or tropical fruit. Ugh. It's delicious. Uh, we have another clue in the who, what, when, where, why line. You're... Who was Baroness Philippine de Rothschild? Your what is a Cabernet Sauvignon-based blend? Your when was 1998 when they released their first uh, wine, so I think it would be the 1997 vintage. Um, so that gives us, uh, uh, gets us on to another clue. Your where? Get ready for it. Gird your loins. Maipo Valley! Yeah, everyone who's my my Popa Valley. Well, there's still a contingent of you that'll be like, duh, totally, like, we get it. Um, <laughs> but uh, my Popa Valley is your where. Okay, so I have an on the food side. Uh, so I get the produce every other week from Farm Fresh to you. If you want a code from me, for like a free trial box, let me know. Hit me up, DM me. <laughs> uh, that was really lame of me. They are not sponsoring me. Anyway, they, I sometimes have seen them have quote unquote uh, champagne grapes, which I, I mean, champagne is made of um, 
Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and Pinot Meunier, and there's a few other that can sneak in there, but those are probably, and there's no such thing as grapes that are just like champagne grapes. However, this box said it contained Grenache grapes, which I'm like, is that a proprietary name, or are these actually grapes that they, the same they would use to make Grenache? So I got some, I tasted them, uh, and then put them in the freezer. This was like a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I found them, like many grapes, smooth, refreshing. I think, maybe I'm imagining it, but I think I get spice on the end. Anyway, I put, then I put them in the freezer because I love frozen grapes, but I thought I should defrost some. Uh, the texture will be less than ideal after being frozen and defrosted, but I wanted to taste them with you, so I'm about to pop. They are smaller grapes than the ones you see at the grocery store, let me tell you. They're not as small as champagne grapes. I think champagne grapes are named for the size, like they're like champagne bubbles, like they're pretty small. Okay, let's just taste this grape. Hmm. It's got food. Hmm. Oh, yeah, no, there's definitely... Well, A, they definitely do have a thin skin. Hold on, I'm the next one I'm gonna try and get rid of the uh, center really quickly. I'm gonna pause this so you don't hear me trying to spit out the pit that's gross. Okay, got the fruit in my mouth. Hmm. I mean, obviously, <laughs> before it's made into wine, it tastes like a grape. <laughs> but if I were to make it comparable to other fruit, there's plum, a lot of red fruit. It really does. These truly do, though. Like, there's a spicy kick at the end, which, mm. you know, <clears throat> oh, gosh. Uh, white paper, uh, white paper, I'm staring at a piece of white paper with tasting notes. Um, white pepper is not an unusual tasting note on Grenache, so I 100% think these probably actually maybe are. Huh. They're delicious, though. I think they were good fresh. I love frozen grapes, so that's probably my favorite form, but defrosted, I think you get a little bit more intense flavor. Anyway, I was excited. I, I have done very little tasting of wine grapes before they're made into wine. When I was in Portugal, I remember getting... It was like just... I mean, it was late October. Everything was harvested pretty much, except for this one... Oh, uh, Quinta da Tar, uh, Tamaris. And they still had like some Luero grapes. And they had... They, they at the tasting, they had some of the grapes out as well as a lot of cheese. Cause Oh my god, you guys, I want to go back to Portugal. Bread and cheese on every table. And the best wine and beautiful hills. And I'll, I'll stop. Um, anyway, that's the only ever time. Uh, that's only the other. <laughs> Maybe I am enjoying this wine too much because apparently I'm taking it down quickly. <clears throat> that is the only other time that I've had wine grapes. So, you know, I'm waiting for next week for them to be like, you have Cabernet Sauvignon grapes. Anyway, they say these are Grenache. I'm not 100% sure that that's not like someone giving it a pro proprietary name, but like they're they're tasty and they do in fact make me think of Grenache, which maybe if they're not the exact same genus used for the, the Grenache, then maybe that's why they gave them the name. That's your on the food side. Let's get another clue. We're only at just over a half hour. We only really have the last bit of the clue and the drunk dial to go. You guys see, I told you, easy peasy. 
I am recording this on a late, relatively, it's 11.27, um, Wednesday night, and you know, I'm just gonna finish this and finish my work. I have more writing to do, <laughs> um, and send you on your way. <clears throat> Who, Baroness Philippine de Rothschild, what, a Cabernet Sauvignon, base blend, when 1998, the first release, probably a 1997 vintage, ergo, <clears throat> where Maipo Valley, your why? You are, <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think the spiciness of those grapes is getting to me. You are either a classical French lit buff or an opera buff because the wine is named for a character in The Marriage of Figaro, which is a play by Beaumarchais, and then turned into an opera by Mozart. I think I actually saw that one, and funny enough, I'm, if I remember correctly, The Marriage of Figaro is not the one that there's the famous opera songs like Figaro, Figaro, I don't know. Anyway, I believe I saw The Marriage of Figaro back in St. Louis. We have a great opera company there back, uh, by the way. Anyway, so the why would be you are a buff of classical French liter uh, literature or opera, and you want a wine whose name comes from a character. Because this wine's name comes from a character from that. Okay, so yeah, you know, um, before I give you your last clue, you know, read, review, whatever. Or don't, just listen and enjoy, because that's, I mean... <laughs> Well, no, I'm just listening and enjoy, but if you feel it, go on iTunes and like, you know, drop five stars and be like, hey, Ellen's real cool. So is wine. So is her wine podcast. Um, if you've got the time, let me do the big reveal. <clears throat> the wine is Alma Viva. So Alma Viva is a wine made in the Maipo Valley of Chile. It's a vineyard, it's like the highest altitude in that area. Maipo is like just north, the Rappel Valley where the famed uh, Cachapol and Colchagua regions are. That's where people think of a lot of cab coming from, but like Maipo also makes delicious ones. Anyway, there's high altitude and you know, so Mouton Rothschild, that's uh, the winery that the Baroness is currently the uh, chairman of, when you look at their history, they're actually kind of cool because they're from Bordeaux and they were not made a first growth when people ranked the uh, the chateau uh, in that region, but they kind of like petitioned for it in 1973 and got it. And meanwhile, they like they've always been into art. They started in 19 uh, well, they first in like 19. 19, very early 1900s, like commissioned an artist to do the labels. And then starting in, oh, was it the 60s? They started every year, their label is different. They commission a different artist. They, yeah, um, uh, Philippine, she actually was an actress with the Comédie Française, I think. And they're into the arts and they're into collabs. Uh, at one point, the... Uh, Philippe de Rothschild, Baron Philippe de Rothschild is the person who came over to California and paired up with Robert Mondavi to make Opus One. Uh, Philippines, the one who's like, let me join in with Conca y Toro. Concha y Toro? I think it's Conca. C O N C H A space Y space Toro. 
Conquitora is how I'm saying it in my head, uh, to make, oh no, it's probably Conchitora. I was like, how do, oh, sorry. Anyway, uh, she came over and paired up with them to make, so in Bordeaux, they make a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon-based blends, and they were like, this place is perfect. And they're like, cool, let's expand our boundaries, let's join forces, let's mash up our cultures, let's make a wine. And Alma Viva was that wine. That character was the, oh, what was it? The Count of, oh, the Count of, wait, oh. um, I'm blanking on exactly which character. Like, I want to say it was like a Count um, in The Marriage of Figaro, and that is who they named it after. So, yeah, I don't know. I just thought, I think the story of it is interesting. I think it is too expensive for me to currently buy, so I don't know how good it tastes, but I have a feeling it's probably pretty good because, you know, altitude makes wine beautiful. Not necessarily, but often. Um, that is your who, what, when, where, why wine. So lastly, we have a delightful drunk dial. And also, guys, by the way, this is episode 101. I might take an autumn break for a couple weeks so don't despair i'll be back if i do i would have done it after episode 100 but then i had already recorded the strunk dial that didn't fit in with the goth episodes but i was like i'll do a 101 um i might take a break i might keep going i don't know so our drunk dial is with nathaniel munoz um he's an advanced sommelier with the quartermaster sommeliers he uh is the owner of eve uh, which is a great wine store that I'm going to be going to more than I should. Uh, and also Bar Avalon, which has been throughout the quarantine time, Bar uh, Bodega Avalon, where he sells, uh, you know, dry goods as well as wine. Um, I'm not sure if he's exactly doing that right now. It might be just the bottle shop. Anyway, he even when they open things up for outdoor dining, he's a, he's... He's one of the he's one of the ones taking every precaution because he wants us just to like nip this thing in the bud and get through. He's also the one who last episode like we we definitely with our masks and standing six feet apart like he poured me a little Chenin Blanc for my birthday and like sold me that really good uh, birthday wine and you're gonna hear about the narwhals in this interview. Also, he's a great blind taster who has led uh, through Christy Norman, who has inter- um, who, who's been organizing these Zoom tastings. He was he's been a mentor who volunteers to help lead those. He's great. He's one of the nicest people. I he's just uh, you know just enjoy this final five questions with Nathaniel Munoz. Wait, did I say that wrong, Munoz? I think I got it right. Nathaniel, I apologize if that's not right. Anyway, enjoy the talk. Hey, I'm so glad to be with you. Hey, Alan. Hey, hey, hey. Um, by the way, the birthday wine that, that I bought, Alan's Edition and Blanc, both very good. Oh, both nice. Yeah, I, good. It occurred you, to me. I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> you got an incredible oh. white burgundy, that Le Narveau yeah. Merceau from Philippe Chavy. It was so good. You know, I looked up, I was like, what's Narveau? And the only thing that Google was telling me was that it means narwhal, narwhals or narwhal, which is like a crazy sea creature that has a tusk. I was like, I don't know yeah. if they named the vineyard after, after that, but maybe they did. <laughs> no, I, um, I maybe they did. Um, I have a feeling it has to do with the protrusion of rocks coming through oh, the middle of the vineyard. Okay. Okay. That totally makes sense. How cool. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Um, and there's different portions of Narvo. There's on Narvo, Le Narvo, and all Narvo. Um, so oh I think God. it all is surrounding this protrusion of rock. It's kind of crazy. Interesting. Ugh. Oh, to go to Burgundy. Um, okay, well, if you're ready, yeah. shall we get into the final five questions for the wine situation? Final five. Final five. Okay, the first one's a very difficult, tricky question. It's just, uh, what you drinking these days? You know, it's uh, it's kind of one of those things where I have to ask myself that frequently as well. <laughs> because as a sommelier, you're constantly being given wines, you know, and, and yeah. being introduced to wines, and you constantly have things open up. So it's hard to say, like, what I'm drinking these days. But, mm. again, it is September 3rd, um, and so rosé is just constantly in front of me, and I love it. I recently crushed uh, some Chocolina rosé, and yes. I love that vibrant <laughs> zestiness, uh, high acidity, salinity. It's so good. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was I was going to buy a bottle. I should have, I was, I got to come back to Eve and, and buy some of that because I saw you had some. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we got it in okay. stock while it lasts. Get it while it's hot. <laughs> or cold. I'll take it cold. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay, question number two is what is an either interesting or favorite pairing of yours? And it can be any kind of drink, any kind of food. Yeah, I, you know, um, I, I think about this frequently as, as far as what it is that is compelling me to make something or or drink something. And I think since burgers are such a big part of our diet as Americans, I like to think, um, I love a, a great cheeseburger, usually from a takeout uh, fast food chain, something like a, an In-N-Out or, um, or what have you, whatever your chain is of choice. Mm-hmm. But the, the key element is you got to get cheese, and they have to do it with grilled onions, and it has oh. to have a very charry kind of feel to it. It can't just be a flat iron. It has to be something that has a, just a little bit more depth of, of texture and flavor on the burger patty. But that with Madeira. Oh, um, I didn't yeah, see that coming. Bowl, like, what, what, a bowl? Yeah, bowl Madeira. It has this affinity for Coke-like flavors. It really oh. kind of brings out acidity and sweetness, and uh, it has kind of like that intense molasses uh, cane sugar character to it, and it's just friggin' awesome with cheeseburgers. Interesting, and I feel like Madeira sometimes has a kind of like smoky thing on it too. So I wonder maybe if that helps give it an interesting. That is that I didn't see Madeira coming. That's fascinating. Yeah, totally. Cheeseburgers uh, and bowl Madeira really crush. <laughs> cool. Uh, next question is in light of you. Uh, you you have a coffee you work in coffee as well for, for Revelator, right? Um, uh, yeah, so Revelator is the investing company for Eve Bottle Shop and Bar Avalon. Got it. I, so what um, do you have a preferred way you take your coffee? Yeah, I, I, you know, five, five out of seven days of a week, I, I just have an oat milk cappuccino, just something simple, um, delicious, earthy, not too sweet. Uh, and that's usually how I start my day. And then some point between 2 and 6 p.m., I'll have a, just a, a single espresso. espresso. I, I like that short pour of a, of a single shot. Nice. Um, okay, yeah. question number four is, because you are uh, so very good at the blind tasting, um, 
this is kind of a two-parter. Is there something that you still find yourself, you're like, ah, I messed that one up a lot, or something that you always, you're like, I will always nail this one? I think probably one of the, the trickiest varieties for me to blind taste um, is it's Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris. I, I tend Ooh. to find myself really shuffling between, you know, and oscillating between that or, or is it Albarino? But Albarino, I seem to always get. Pinot Gris, I, I just I second guess it all the time. Yeah, I hear that. I think I've, I think I'm almost never blind tasting gotten Pinot Gris. I'm always like, is this Shannon? Is this, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it had such such a uh, a narrow, shy story to tell that it you you search for all these other things that it could be, and you would hate to be blind tasted a Pinot Grigio, and then you're like, oh, that's what it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Funny. Um, cool. Okay. Anyone in particular you're like you know you pretty much always nail. As far as wines that I always nail, you know, I, it's it's hard for me um, to to not get Chateauneuf de Pop, only because <laughs> um, there's there's a reasonable amount of uh, volatile acidity that's allowed mm. to to be part of that recipe, and I'm I'm very sensitive to VA, um, and I can easily uh, distinguish between Chateauneuf de Pop and uh, Barbaresco Barolo or Piemontese Nebbiolo. And so there's only a few areas in the world where VA uh, becomes acceptable. And, and so I, I always get shot enough. Interesting. Ugh, I need to drink more shot enough to pop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, okay, question number five is just the, uh, the question that we've been asking since the dawn of this show, which is just what's bringing you some joy these days? Oh, say that again. What's bringing you some joy these days? Ah, what's bringing you some joy? You know, um, it's really the ability to have dinner with with Kelly every night. I Aww. I know that we're in an industry that nights and weekends are not something that we usually get a ton of, but because of the shutdown aspect of of society right now, I I'm not really required to have to be at work in the evenings. And so it's really lovely to be able to cook dinner, be with her and really just be together and kind of get away from the aspect of what's happening in the world and, and not be at work. I know I'm not going to always have that, so I'm doing everything I can to cherish it right now. Ah, I love that. Uh, who does the cooking, or do you share? Oh, we share. I, I always open the wine, but I make the <laughs> meal every now and then, too. Cool. Okay. Well, um, if you want, you can tell the listeners, you know, where to find you on the socials or where to, you guys have, if you're in Los Angeles, you all have to go to uh, East Bottle Shops because he has an amazing list. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll give you a chance if you want to tell people where to, where to follow you or where to find you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. Holly. I, you know, you can easily find me at East Bottle Shop. Like, like she was saying, uh, Tuesday through Saturday, I'm here from 11 to 7. Our hours might change here or there based off of, you know, what's going on with uh, with COVID and the pandemic. Um, but you can also find me on Instagram pretty easily. If not at Eve Bottle Shop on Instagram, you can find me at Sam Munoz, and that's S-O-3-M-U-N-O-Z. Um, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. I'm happy to chat wine or anything else going on in the world. Um, <laughs> I'm all over that thing, so. 
yeah, thanks so much for the time. And uh, I really uh, hope that everybody out there in L.A. is staying safe and and uh, we get through this so we can drink more wine together. Ah, uh, I know. Well, in the meantime, I will be back to Eve soon to, to get some, some Chocolina. So <laughs> I will see you soon, hopefully. Um, I'll do my part to keep it in stock for you. <laughs> uh, thank you. Well, thank, thank you so much for doing this show. And I hope you have a lovely rest of your day. Absolutely. You too. Thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate it. Pleasure. All right. Talk to you later. Cheers. Glass. I just drink wine. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with Minute Maid. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with Coffee Maid. I just drink wine. Give me red, white, or say, Don't touch me, motherfucker. I'm a Somaliite. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.